Hello and welcome to the Bosch Gamer Podcast number 14, coming to you for the week ending on the 6th of December. You're here with Tom again and we're going to jump straight into that weekly roundup for all of you wanting to keep up on the news and get on with your day. First of all, Activision have announced that Call of Duty has this year made them an extra $3 billion in revenue. And that's all anyone really has to say about it, if we're honest. I, I don't know if anyone's really surprised about this. It's been doing the rounds on the news spread and none of us can really work out why. Well done to them for continuing to support Modern Warfare, and Cold War came out, that's all we'll say on that. Moving into some real news, uh, coming hot off the press this weekend, Monster Hunter movie uh, temporarily banned in China, straight off of its release. So, essentially, there's been a scene that's been supposedly offensive to the the viewers. Um, The offence came from a joke about uh, one of the characters' knees being Chinese. Sounds more like heavy pandering to me from whoever the hell wrote that piece of shit joke. Honest to fucking God. Like, couldn't they have come up with anything better? Firstly, he's not Chinese. He's from the world of Monster Hunter. But we'll get into that once we get a chance to see the film. So the Chinese government have put a halt on the film. Capcom are working alongside the producers to put together a new cut that removes that brief moment from the film. And hopefully we get a version over here that also has it cut. Not for any censorship reasons, but because nobody, nobody deserves to hear that joke read out by a professional actor. Um, so yeah, big offence there for the Chinese. Although let's just wait until the Chinese government discovers that the portable versions of Monster Hunter were called Freedom over here in Europe and the US. The last piece of news for this week is that Sony's data has revealed that we prefer playing solo. All you PlayStation people love to go it alone. Ten- to your own needs, not have to take part in the circle jerks online. Instead, it's just you and your box. Ooh. Well, that's kind of what happens when people start to make multiplayer into an absolute ball ache. Got loot boxes, constant ads for cosmetics, huge monthly updates, and specific ser- service signups and agreements. You're kind of expecting this to happen. Storytelling is becoming far more significant, especially when you look at that PlayStation lineup from last few years and heading into the PlayStation 5. I mean, as if I when I get a PlayStation, I'm not going to be playing that online. That's going to be an absolute storytelling machine for me. And I think at the same time, we got to bring back some couch multiplayer. Bring back that support. Come on, Call of Duty. Come on, Halo. Where are you? Halo Four. You can play nothing with you with people in your own house. You can play Halo Five with people in your own house. So come on, let's look at bringing back supporting multiplayer and. Uh, that's been your weekly roundup for this week. We're heading straight into the story where this week we've been talking a lot about um, Immortals Phoenix Rising. It's just released this week, so we thought we'd kind of focus on that, you know, small little indie title that it is. So let's jump straight into the show. So this week I'm going to be joined by Adam. Hello, Adam. How are you doing? Hello again. This is the, the second time I get to grace the airwaves. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we're finally letting you back after your big stint at the uh, the start of Bosch Gamer. Um, so we're carrying on our theme of getting some top threes from our guests. Um, this week we've been talking a lot about Immortals Phoenix Rising and we'll get right into that in just a moment. So first I want to ask you to give me your breakdown of your three favourite open world games. Uh, all right. nice. Yeah, obviously a pretty vague term these days. Every game at this point is open world. Uh, like I've been playing Neva Speed Heat, and that is open world. Like <laughs> to the point of you can go where anywhere and choose your activities. So for yourself, open world 
getting a chance to just go and explore whatever you want. It's a kind of living, breathing place you can go about. You're not forced through. You've got that opportunity to mingle and play about. Hit movie top three. I completely forgot about the Need for Speed series when I was thinking about this question. <laughs> like you, you mentioned Need for Speed Heat, and that's probably one of the only uh, Need for Speeds I've completed fully mm-hmm. since uh, Need for Speed Underground 2, which I'm pretty sure we spoke about last time. But literally, yeah, you, you've hit a, a good one there. Need for Speed, um, hands down, got to get that one. But um, the ones that I were, was thinking about was obviously the all-time great uh, the goat probably is Red Dead Redemption Two. I thought you were going to say goat game, um, but yeah, Red Dead Redemption. on mobile. <laughs> <laughs> the goat game on mobile, hands down, was one of the greats. Red Dead Redemption uh, Two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I don't think anyone can deny the absolute not just gaming phenomenon, but just social phenomenon that uh, Red Dead Redemption Two was. The single player, though, I absolutely loved. The multiplayer, I found it a bit too difficult. Like the people who just rinse and repeat it, that you know, they, they almost are like CSGO players. You you run around a corner, bam, headshot, you respawn. And it literally is a constant theme for me playing multiplayer. So I stick with the single player on Red Dead. Yeah, the the original Red Dead Redemption was the same online. You you can't because you, you your gear is related to your level, which is essentially just based on how much time you've thrown in. If you try and jump into it late, like you're you're done for. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, the single player. Oh, there's just so much you can do in that. I like personally. I just spent the whole time robbing trains. It was something that in the first one I really wanted to be able to do. So when they added that into the second one, I spent days just <laughs> sat drive having to like. Obviously, eventually the driver just bows out. So there's me just having to drive trains around while so robbing get my it <laughs> before I got shot. Ah, oh, I absolutely love it. Especially you know straight away you get you get little hints and tips. When the game first comes out, um, the one that I got was go and grab the the elite horse from the mountains, the white mm-hmm. horse, and I just loved it, kept it through the whole way. So that is by far one of the prettiest looking games and the best stories of a game that I've I've come across in a long time. So yeah. that's that's one of my top threes. Well, I, I don't think we can you know talk about Red Dead Redemption Two and mention its horses without talking about something that's so important for open world games, and that's just detail and knowing mm-hmm. what's going on. And, like, I don't think we can be, like, I don't know, what would we call ourselves journalists in gaming or whatever we'd like to call ourselves without mentioning the absolute impo- most important detail of shrinking horse testicles in Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, <laughs> the, it was all over the news. It was everywhere. Like, this is the level of detail that Rockstar have gone to to make this game feel like this living, breathing world that you're a part of. And I think that's a massive, massive part of what makes it so good and so important. I'm horse really, balls. I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, fine. Yeah, horse balls, Adam. Thanks. Um, so, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to see if we get a kind of, a, you know, a next-gen push um, for Red Dead Redemption 2. GTA 5, obviously getting it. Uh, what, what fucking system isn't it going to be on at this point? Um, that's my next top favorite gta anything basically after vice city well vice city and onwards just legendary games can't get away from them for me i've i dropped off in number four uh and number five has i keep coming back to five i don't finish it it's because there's nothing else there is no other gta's like you have to go and play it yeah and i just keep keep coming back around to it and starting it again and then not finishing it but when I come back to it having, if I just come back to the save I had before, I've got no fucking idea what's going on. I get lost in that story because it's just like you just have this grand 
um, world to explore. And for me, like that driving around, getting getting your star rating up, and uh, my yeah, I, multiplayer I, is now the the place to go for GTA. If you want to do heists, if you want to do story missions, even the custom mod maps that people are doing and and streaming on Twitch now, absolutely amazing. Uh, can't fault them for uh, what's the term when you uh, end not end of life, but uh, after they've released a DLC, that sort of stuff. That's what I'm looking for. All yeah, the DLC they, they put is, into it. They've just... maintained it. They've just announced the new DLC coming through as well. So we're not going to be short on more GTA content. It's pretty much with the teaser of GTA Six. That's going into mm. the cyberpunk um, collection of things that are never coming out. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how that goes in 10 years when they finally stop supporting GTA 5. If we're talking GTA for me, my favorite is San Andreas. It's probably just because I grew up with it. But I, yes. I'm pretty sure at this point I still know most of the weapon pack cheat codes off by heart. Like summoning jetpack. I, I could probably just whip those out on a PlayStation 2. Uh, just impromptu. That game had such a. That was where it really brought in that level of character customization and detail. So by running around more and using cars less, you lost weight and became kind of more slender. Whereas if you went and just smashed back burgers or like buckets of clucking bell, then you were you got fatter and fatter and became this absolute unit. Um, so like that for me, San Andreas was fantastic. The customization of cars in that and with hydraulics and playing about with that like it it was the early millennium like you know that was cool back then very hydraulic dancing as a mini game was cool as all hell um throwing off a hover hovercraft off the top of the mountain and just floating all the way down genius yeah and it had its faults obviously everyone knows the infamous train level where you gotta just you it's not you that's shooting them and you're just having to drive just close enough. <laughs> to, to, like, uh, so frustrating, some of the elements of that game. Um, that don't carry across into GTA 4 or 5 because it they kind of railroaded the game a bit more in terms of they'll put you in the exact spot, point you in the direction, even scope in for you. They're like, take the shot. Just, just, just shot. press one button. Yeah, just just take the shot. What if I miss? Oh, no, we've got another guy ready to do it for you. Like... <laughs> I feel that was my problem with GTA Five. Is once is playing through the story, it is just a hard cinematic railroad uh, in the kind of way. I like you story get though. I like story like that. Um, yes, you know some of the decisions are made for you, but if it's going to steer you into the the correct story of the whole, you know, big picture, then I'm all for it. Well, quite sadly, one of the most fun mini games in the entire thing was when you are illegally torturing some bloke, which. Obviously, says I'm pretty poor about either Rockstar's decision making or our taste, or like my taste as a gamer, is that that I thought that was the best mini game in the entire thing. Um, <laughs> you just, you're a sick son of a bitch. That's what it is. <laughs> that. It offered you decision making, so you could kind of choose your options, and then each individual tool had its own mini game that was slightly different, and it was a test of skill to. Make sure you don't go too far with whatever you're doing, like to keep that meter just in the right place to really threaten this guy, but not Get put him out of him, you know, put him out through too much pain. Uh, I don't know why there hasn't been a game exploring that further. At the same time, I do, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we'll see that again someday. Um, uh, with VR, the way that it is waterboarding simulator has got to be on its way. Um, oh wow, that that's going to be a rough day when that comes <laughs> so, out. 
Jesus. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So, go on, Adam. Let's uh, let's hear it. Uh, another open world game from yourself. Probably, well, everyone plays the Assassin's Creed. We've just had Valhalla that's been released. But for me, the last Assassin's Creed that I properly played through uh, was Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never complete games. It's just a, a running theme. But I got about 70% of the way through on this one. And for me, that's an absolute win for a, for a game. So that's definitely in the you know, in the top three. Yep. Gameplay style, uh, the storytelling, and guiding you through killing all of these um, these gods, I think is probably the, the best way of saying it. Um, and, and just a visual element of the game. Um, I like pretty games, all colorful, all shiny. And, uh, and they did a really good job when it was released. So that is, what, only about three years old, probably? Um, but uh, still yeah. a fantastic game to be playing. It's just a couple of years out now. So obviously Valhalla picking up the exact same system, uh, Origins. It's that new, it brought on that new combat system, that new RPG element into the game. Um, it's, it, it has revitalized Assassin's Creed. For me, if we're going Assassin's Creed, it's going to be Brotherhood. Like, if you you go back to any of that that kind of that saga, I think Brotherhood's my favorite out of those. That kind of building of your team. It, Nowadays, we look at those kind of sending out unit mechanics as, well, fucking everyone's got one. Like, they're everywhere. They're so tedious. But then it was new. It was something fresh, especially in a game like Assassin's Creed, to give that longevity as you level up your assassins and then having them come in to assist you within the open world, customizing them. I had an absolute pack of, like, like absolute units all with the masks on. Um, all in <laughs> in different coloured different coloured robes, so I knew exactly which one had come to help me. And yeah, I, the open element of Assassin's Creed has always been a big part of it, with its parkour and its the movement mechanics. Um, we are kind of seeing those start to fade out of the game as they the Assassin's Creed have become a bit more kind of Ubisoft standard, which we will talk about later. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I think right now we've got <laughs> Luke is still powering through um Valhalla at the moment and we he's just fair play for him streaming that as well on on our Twitch channel it for for someone who doesn't uh, buy and play too many games watching someone else have their playthrough and uh, and sort of like having the social interaction of someone doing that it's been fantastic so uh yeah fair play yeah he's been loving Luke. it he's been singing its praises non-stop within um the community so we're, we're going to keep an eye out, see what kind of comes through. We'll get the announcement for the next Assassin's Creed probably post-Christmas um, once Valhalla's um, had its big sales period and they're ready to move on to the next um, the next one. So, there we go. That has been your open world. I just quickly want I know we mentioned about uh, Need for Speed Heat and the Need for Speed structure now, like having entire maps of the US to kind of bolt about and things like that. It, it, all of that coming from Burnout Paradise was probably the first to really pull that off in a racing game. So, yeah, full respect it's due on that for open world drivers. I think now with Horizon um, doing that, uh, we're, it's just the best way to go um, for open world um, for driving for me. They're, they're all up there. as That's the kind of games that I'm loving at the moment. So, this week we've been talking about Immortals Phoenix Rising. Firstly... The title, are we expecting Immortals to become a series then? Well, they changed their name so often, they couldn't even uh, get their name, uh, what, 
figured out until like a couple of months before they released it. So I don't think it would be right in assuming anything from this studio just yet. Because it's a, that's a clunky as hell title. It's not even like Immortals. Then it's like all as a header. It's Immortals: Phoenix Rising. There, there's no punctuation in there. There's no dis, distinction between the words. It's just Immortals: Phoenix Rising. So obviously, a, a good hope that we might expand into that. We will get into it. So first thoughts on Immortals: Phoenix Rising from what we've all seen. This is Breath of the Wildish. Like this is going to be the new one. Like roguelike, like Souls like is Breath of the Wild-ish. Because they've got all the mechanics, you know, it's... We will say it's always common for developers to have similar inspirations around the same time. You see this in films as well, where you'll see common stories coming through. Um, but here, this does feel like a straight-off rip-off in terms of design and structure. Almost as though they're like, well, what about people who don't own a Switch? Let's give them one that they can play. And I'm... For me... I that's something that's hard to get behind. Um, I feel like Breath of the Wild was such a leap forward for Legend of Zelda, and it has that big connection for people. That this style is like Breath of the Wild really pinned it down, did it straight away, and just mastered it. Um, super super systemic gaming in um, Breath of the Wild. So if you don't know what that is, it's about interaction. So everything has triggers and and sensors. So it's giving out sounds and listening for those sounds. And responding correctly based on what it hears or what what's hears it, um, and Immortals just doesn't really have that. And I feel like that's such a fundamental part of that open world aspect to it is that there is a world that feels living and breathing, but also everything you do in it has a reaction and a response and a kind of knock on domino effect um, that really you know pushes forward the options that you have to approach every situation um like you you know looking at things like far cry and games like that use very similar systems of you know set fire to the grass the grass sets fire to the building kills everyone inside let a tiger loose kind of kind of aspects which isn't necessarily a bad thing but it does get a bit rinse and repeat a bit boring a bit samey um and I think Far Cry is probably the perfect example here of uh, of how they're just being very average and copying and pasting a lot of the elements that they've previously done. Now, taking Far Cry, you know, as soon as you turn up to an enemy base, you're going to jump in. There's going to be a lot of enemies. And the first thing you need to do is disable the alarm. Mm-hmm. Then you need to kill everyone. And then you take over the base. It's pretty much how it is. And from what uh, what our true leader, our master wizard Vass, has been playing this week, he says it's just that. And it gets a bit boring. You, when, you, you know where to go, but once you get there, it's just boring. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing more really else than that. Um, other than it does look obviously very good, uh, depending on what type of art style you like playing. This one's very cartoony, very bright and colourful. Mm-hmm. Um which means it's very easy to uh, to make other than, you know, when you look at other games that have been released uh, in this sort of 2020 period, cartoons tend not to be um, high up on the agenda. It's, you know, it's all about how do these specific strands of hair, you know, go in the wind. A lot of detail, a lot of GPU work is probably the best way of putting it. Whereas well, I... this one seems to take it very casual i will say when we look at you know what is popular at the moment you can almost see immortals phoenix rising has been built by committee so the art style they're like 
well, Fortnite's really cartoony, but has some things that are quite really detailed within that style. Let's let's you know, let's use that as the basis for how we design you know our things. Look again at Breath of the Wild. It's Breath of the Wild has these big sweeping vistas, but the characters are you know pretty simplistic designs. You know, lots of kind of more cell shaded aspects to the coloring, like not not to the point of like. Um, you know, Wind Waker, where it's hard cell shading, but that kind of more blocky colouring and everything, it's very simple shapes that you can easily recognise and you could draw out, which, if you are making something that's recognisable, that is simple to immediately go, oh, that's that, that's that, then that's perfect. But here, for, for Immortals, it just makes everything look really generic and, very, and just under-designed and very simple. Um, yeah, under-designed, spot-on. I mean, some of the monsters that you come across they're literally just like colored squares <laughs> it literally was horrible it's like look at this eye and it's like a, just a, a, a orange square placed on a brick yeah yeah so it doesn't look great in in some cases others you know when you're looking at uh lands uh you know the scenery from distance that's when it looks good but when you get into mm-hmm. you know in close battle with a with a bam or a, or just like a you know side monster then meh it's a big meh. Yeah, I I think obviously, you know, the, the kind of simplicity of it, there's nothing in this that you're not going to really recognise in terms of, uh, you know, looking at the monsters that you're going to face, the kind of long, uh, the, the kind of larger lore of the world. It's coming from Greek mythology, and this is like the old school motherfucking storytelling if you, you know, you're living in Europe or something like that. This is hardcore like long term storytelling and it's where all of these kind of hero myths really like start to get a consistent structure there's nothing in here that's going to surprise you and i don't think it's meant to it's you know it's a pickup you know exactly what you're doing you've seen this before just jump in button mashing action quickly hop out and you're into the next puzzle or the next combat as quick as as quickly as you like uh, and while yeah, so- well, you I, can't fault it. It's not. It's not deep. It's not going to be fulfilling, you know. Which does bring you onto the question of, you know, uh, what you asked me a minute ago of can or will this be part of the series? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably. Um, you know, this guy Phoenix, Phoenix, however you want to bloody say his name. Uh, if they can't, in you know, decide on the name of the game, I can't decide on the name of the character's name. Um, you know, this demigod trying to bring out this, uh, bring down the big ass monster Typhon uh, to save every, you know, all the gods from this evil curse. If we look at other series like the the God of War, which I'm sure we're going to come on to soon, um, you know, they use this platform to span out a huge story, an amazing story. So this could be the setup for something like that. Um, depending on the reviews, how people are playing it, the yeah, the overall feeling and of this game, I think could set up something bigger if they get a good reaction. But as we are, as everyone's probably guessed, pretty much slating it for being a very average and mundane game. Um, I think we're gonna have, to, or they're gonna have to think twice about it. What do you reckon? Well, I, I think the the reason it's so kind of shocking to us, if we look back to, say, uh, PlayStation 2, the original Xbox, the Xbox 360, like, 
there were tons of fucking games that came out then. Really average, mediocre games. Um, but that's what we're expecting now with the PlayStation, wouldn't we? We loved that shit. Well, that was it. It was, it was so easy to develop on that everyone just made a game. If you had a story, you made it. And there were some things that came out that were these kind of... There was the same structure. It's based on Jack and Daxter. It's this kind of open world, kind of platformer, kind of action-y, kind of collector-fon that spawned tons and tons of fucking games all of them around this exact same structure i think it was Ta- you had like tack and the power of juju um you had zack um which was a big one on xbox that i'm actually a huge fan of um there's so many of these that just came through so that- what we're saying is basically this new game that's come out in 2020 is actually meant for the playstation 2 era well no no uh, I, so <laughs> the, the 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 kind of purpose of, of this is that Back then, you had this structure that became very popular that beca- that suddenly just spawned every game. If someone had a concept, and they were like, and you see it with like the same way people pitch films and stuff like, okay, well, I've got this concept, and we'll do this, 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 and we'll go to, you know, we just got to do this, and then it's viable as a product. Whereas, you know, for those games, they came in and went, it's going to be based around this story, this kind of characters that we design, blah, blah. Okay, is it a platform action um, collectathon? Yes, you're greenlit, go. Like, here's a, you know, here's $2 million, go make it, like, because the structure's there in the en- in the Unreal Engine, like, just go make mm-hmm. it. I think that's what we're starting to see with these open world, systemic, breath, like, breath of the wildish kind of games. And I think that... Yeah, that's the exact it's... summary of the game. It's a Breath of the Wild cross Assassin's Creed, which is uh, what our blog overview states uh, yeah, from the, and... the guys that have played it. But I think that's the reason that everyone seems so disappointed with this is because we've moved away from really just generic, spammed out, pick them up cheap on at like next to the counter at game or in the supermarket. You just see them in the aisle for like 20 quid and you just grab them and play them. That do- We don't have those kind of throwaway games anymore. But at the same time, Immortals is getting like 77%, which we know that the purpose of Bosch Gamer is because those rating systems are absolutely fudged. Just to fucking slate them for what they are. They're, they're fudged to all hell. It definitely shouldn't be up there as a 77%. I, it, it's, you know, it's playable. There's no reason you couldn't pick this up, play it, and probably enjoy it. Like, there's no reason you couldn't. But why would you fucking bother? Like, <laughs> don't, what, don't pay 50 quid. Wait for a deal in you know three months' time where it's down to twenty quid. I think that's probably the best advice we can give you on this one. Yeah, it can be a good game. It's just not worth the full MSRP seventy quid, seventy euros, seventy dollars, whatever country you're mm-hmm. in. So wait for a deal. Yeah, I, I'm. I won't pick it up until it's on. I'll probably pick it up on Game Pass if it ever becomes free on there, which I really imagine it will, considering game how little has been played on it. Uh, how you know how little people are talking about it? It's been pushed with like to try and push Stadia like free on Stadia with premium Stadia premium, and everyone's like, first of all, I don't have Stadia. Second of all, this what, isn't the what game. The fuck to, is Stadia? <laughs> yeah. Second of all, this isn't the game to make people buy Stadia. Like they're betting on a losing horse here on two fronts. That's, it's going to be bad play. It's I, I've got to say, it is harsh to kind of pick in this so much. But it's just generic in every way, while at the same time not being in line with the kind of games people expect in terms of quality. It is death by committee. I feel it's. Every... Here's a question for you then. What's um, obviously we're slating it. We are you know twenties and thirties. What sort of age bracket do we think this game would appeal for then? I don't think that it has one. 
I, I, oh, shit. So, <laughs> oh, damn. We're really going hard on this game today. Well, you've got to think about it. The the design and the structure there looks like it's targeted at people who are maybe younger. You know, you you can buy yeah, this. Cartoon feely, the Fortnite look. Yeah, that open world aspect, it's a lot of hours you could probably plumb into this. So if you're younger and you, you, know, you pick a game every couple of months, maybe, or you've got to save up for it, perfect pickup. Get this, like you could get this, they've got hours to just explore. They can get tons of gameplay out of it. At the same time, the problem being, the content in it isn't worthwhile. So you'd see them kind of get bored and drop off, or you're just slogging through just to get that 100%. I imagine there is the Platinum Trophy and the big achievement to 100%, collect everything, see everything, get all of the like codex entries on the Greek myths, and go to every location and clear every activity, collect every flower or piece of scripture or column whatever painting statues and fuck i just i know that people are going to be picking it up for that and i know if i started playing it i probably would try and push myself to get most of that but it wouldn't be worth it it wouldn't be worth doing as i said i'm a 70 percent at the most for most games so uh, i've got no chance for that one yeah, but I'm... I'll stick with people playing it on Twitch and jumping in on their streams to see what's going on. Yeah, uh, the full review we you know is up on the blog now. Do go and have a look at that. Like Vass put a fucking ton of hours into this to really rip it apart, and we got together with him, and um, you know you worked with him to kind of get that discussion together and um, bring in some other things to talk about. So do check that out on the blog on the Bosch Game website, boschgamer.com. And you can have a full read through there, and we've shared that onto the communities as well. So, getting away from, <laughs> I suppose, butchering uh, this week's game, I wanted to talk to you about the kind of big topic of Immortals Phoenix Rising, and that's the the Greek pantheon aspect. Bit overplayed at this point, I think we we can all agree in terms of the Greek pantheons and choosing Greek gods as your story. But as we said, they set the tone for heroic storytelling, so... We kind of want to talk about just uh, the best pantheons of gods in gaming and ones that we'd like to see. So, obviously, we're talking about Greek gods. We're talking about any kind of gods at all. We're going first with gods of God of War. I know you've not had big exposure to this series in terms of playing through, but in turn, but if we're talking about a game that really goes in, gives you these gods, is honest about the kind of backstory to them and the way that they relate to each other. And then having you rip the rip them apart piece by piece, then God of War is your perfect go-to. You can go in and get every piece of the story of ancient Greek mythology and get all of these like big pantheon characters and understand them and the relationships between them. And then at the same time, you get to crush the skull in like the mountain in Game of Thrones. Like you can't deny how fun it is like taking the head off Medusa to go and fight off the other gods using it as a weapon and things like that. So we've basically gone from a completely average game to literally one of the all-time greats, which is God of War. The entire series, the entire, um, well, each, each uh, release has just told a small smidgen of the, of the whole story. Like that's what, I think Immortal Phoenix Rising is trying to do, you know, mm-hmm. start start the the train of telling the story for the big picture, and you know, God of War is so established. It came out in the I don't know uh, PS2 era, maybe yeah, early PS. Oh, uh, absolutely cranked them out across the PS2. Yeah, and each one of those just told a little bit of the story. You know, mm. you start off as Kratos, you uh, 
you fuck up and uh, get enslaved by one god and you get pissed off with that one and then have to go on a mad rampage to try and kill that one and that's that that one um sort of bubble of the story and then you move into the next game which tells you another bit and we yeah. get through all of these different ones all the way to the end where uh, what are we in now the the latest god of war where we uh, where we're fighting zeus i think yeah so well obviously we had the the reboot well essentially the god of war 4 kind of secret god of war 4 and now we've got yeah. uh, ragnarok and so they moved across into the um, norse mythologies um so, so went from Greek to Norse. Yeah, so now, but at the same time, they've kept Kratos as this main character. They've not reshuffled it to be like, oh, he's a Norse god. No, they've brought him in, and it's like it's almost going to be that royal rumble of, you know, our god of war versus your god of war versus their god of war. Because all of the, you know, all these different pantheons have it. And so the, what I think God of War did really well in the new one is as this kind of introduction to Norse mythology. Everyone knows who Odin is. Everyone knows who Thor is. So let's go mm. with the more unique stories, you know, Balder and Freya and talking about the Frost Giants in more detail. Um, obviously, they have kind of retconned a bit of the Norse mythology. Um, I won't give away the spoilers in what that is for those of you who haven't played it, especially now the, as a PS, it comes with the PS5 Pass. So you might have been waiting to pick it up on that, maybe. Uh, if you're a PlayStation and you don't have God of War, like, what are you doing? Um but what they did was introduce the smaller aspects and the world and give those details first. So you've got the world serpent. They've talked about dwarves within North mythology um, and all the different relationships t- between the frost giants and the different realms of um, of the world tree of the of the tree and how that all comes together. And that means that next, like by introducing that properly, you have the full context for in the next game Ragnarok, as they've teased for next year. You've got the full context when you go ripping limbs off, and that gives it a lot more of the punch to it. It's meaningful to tear them apart, like going through and gutting them one by one through the gods. And it's going to be fucking fantastic to see them really push that further. Um, They've really done a good job this year, this this time around. Like I've been watching a lot of gameplay uh, style again on Twitch. I absolutely love Twitch, by the way. I think it's fantastic. Um, but watching people playing it, oh my god. It's literally like Mortal Kombat finishes on some of them, uh, which I fucking love to see. Um, yeah. You know, really going OTT on getting a kill, and mm-hmm. uh, and even having his um, his battle axe acting like Thor's hammer, where you can just lob it across the map, destroy an enemy, and then recall it like that. I just love seeing. So if they're taking those concepts and gonna keep running with it. Oh my god, it's going to be good. Yeah, the Leviathan Axe was such a great revamp when you're kind of looking at how you age this character and he's gone from being this useful, like, young Spartan man just tearing through armies with the chains, like, whipping through the blades of chaos around him in these big whirlwinds and then to kind of age him up and he's this bulkier, slower, is kind of retired from that, but still is so powerful. And the and an axe as this kind of symbol of him as a survivalist now, just living off the land, and then just cleaving through people with such force, and every hit has massive impact. Such a perfect decision, not just in terms of gameplay, but in, but the but the thematic elements of God of War, and that's what they're pushing now is those big theme elements, the story, the relationship between um, between 
Kratos and his son and that how that builds into the storytelling um, and the events that you're seeing around you, the relationships between parents and children and gods and the, the essentially the sins of gods and how they punish mortals and this kind of ongoing story which they're teased essentially that they're going to crack on with two more pantheons after they're done with the Norse potentially um, just barely even a spoiler here so what we saw in the New God War we saw teasers for the them heading into Egypt taking on some of the Egyptian pantheon and also the Shinto Jap- the Japanese um, pantheon so Let's have a little chat then about what we might like to see um, if we head into things like that. So, Adam, what do you know really about Egyptian uh, mythology and uh, their gods and things like that? I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, basically the the main things that uh, you're taught in history that uh, you've probably forgotten about 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you've got some uh, pharaohs and you've got the phoenix uh got the the egyptian pyramids that's basically all you really know um but you know you've got certain things that seem to stick with you yeah like uh the what's that crocodile who's uh who's meant to be the the, the creator of the river nile and uh, and god of fertility but you know there's, there's just random ones that stick out yeah so um kind of going in, into a bit of a deep dive there's there are all the gods um all represent different elements around uh, life and death and the world mm. and they have these kind of animal pairings with them so you look at Ra being this um, this hawk representing like the power of the sun um, Anubis is this dog character because of the like, being god of the dead and that's because of the scavenger aspect of wild dogs that's where that relationship comes from that as scavengers they took away the corpses of animals and um, of wild animals they dragged them away and um, and consume all the parts like the bones things like that and there is a deeper understanding to that representation and you can go and look and there's oh god there's philosophy lectures for hours that you can go and watch about representation of um like the meaning behind like god mythologies and lore and things like that um so the big one in terms of egypt is the relationship to the land and the ascension of pharaohs into godhood so the, that was the, the lineage of pharaohs is seen as so closely tied to the gods. That's why the pyramids are built as these symbols to essentially have them ascend up to godhood. And all of the pharaohs, once they're passed, were held within the pantheon. Um, just not as these old gods, but as a kind of new generation coming through. Uh, I think it's could be interesting to see the way God of War plays into that. I think that's when they can really they could really grill in then to that relationship between mortals and gods and um, the mortals wishing they had that power and wanted to take that on. And actually, the curse of godhood that Kratos has suffered and the way he talks about gods as these criminals and their scum and it's just essentially this mafia that runs everything and punishes you and essentially. It's not a blessing because of your sacrifice. No, you're being, you know, you're being blackmailed. They're they're coming, kicking your shop in, and demanding protection money for your crops. And that I think, <laughs> if they can, if we can see a game kind of start to move to that storytelling aspect of, if we saw a really good Egypt game, and I know, I know, Assassin's Creed Origins pinned into this a little bit. They, you know, they spoke about it, um, and you saw some appearances of some characters starred around the gods. But I'd love to see a game do that. Um, at the same time, with that dedication to animals and relationships to crops and things like that, 
I think we could do an Egyptian god, Viva Pinata. Um, so you start with like a little baby god, maybe a set or something like that. And then over time, as that god, you know, you build the Nile and you have different gods that help the crops grow. And that brings in different animals and those animals, then their god, you get their god. And um, I think you could kind of see a little growth, a uh, little farming sim coming out of that, maybe. Would you give Games that a are a perfect opportunity for education. Like there, there are obviously perfect uh, educational games out there but for this um for these sort of you know quite uh, out there ones all these pantheons like e- egypt uh, like um greeks north uh, norse mythologies mm-hmm. yeah um i'm not by any means a historian so if there's a game that comes out that i can play and i can follow along with the story and it looks fucking good then 100% yeah so you know that's why I, I kind of liked Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It yeah. kind of followed along this uh, this line. Uh, and if they're going to bring out more, uh, more God of War, then absolutely, it's going to be a fantastic way to keep the se- uh, the series alive mm-hmm. by exploring these other elements to uh, these gods that are out there. Yeah, and I I, I would really you know while we could have that view Pinata style is a kind of more educational one. At the same time, um, there's a film came out a couple of years ago absolute schlock fest it is a pile of crap but it's got some cool elements and that's um gods of egypt you... oh that was horrible oh, <laughs> I, I got about half an hour it, into that and went nah off off it goes it Bye. is my love it is on my absolute hate that i love it list like it is really yeah so because it, it, it goes hard it, it is exactly what we're talking about it is it does everything that we want that we're talking about right now but the problem is they throw all of this hollywood style side story to it about everything shiny and glowy but like if they took out some of that hollywood schlock shit it would be a fantastic film about the egyptian gods and their history and how they just kick the shit out of each other and you've got this um part where they're on the 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 sun ship with ra that drags the sun through the sky and then he they're having a chat with him he's like hold on for a second flies off as this big fucking flaming phoenix in the sky takes on the the serpent that threatens to consume the earth and then just pops back he's like oh well, sorry just have to do that every day like the most my in the <laughs> like taking something that no seems biggie. like this epic story and then breaking it down to the fact that it's just his daily task he just has to do it every day and how repetitive that would become and the mundanity of that for that to suddenly be like yeah, I just do it every day, like, you know. Grand hog day. Grand yeah, it's really day. easy for me to do, like, I just because I do it all the time, and that would just be fantastic to really pick up on and pull up and pull pull apart in some way. And I think God of War would be a really good way of doing that. Otherwise, I'd like to see a game that investigates that a bit more. Um, but yeah, at the same time, um, Rare, if you make a Viva Pinata Gods of Egypt edition, then I will be all in on that, and I'll buy <laughs> all the DLC along. Maybe it. maybe not what you said a minute ago about farming sim. I don't think that would be particularly great, but no, certainly... Viva uh, Piñata yeah. style farming sim using Egyptian gods. I, I can <laughs> totally get behind that, you know? And, you know, right. whacking... Well, if, if Goat Simulator was such a big hit, then fuck it. Yeah, farming sim. Let's go. Yeah, hit me up. Um, hit me up on the Bosch Gamer um, community page um, if you want to, you know, connect on these ideas. You know, we're all based here in the UK. We can, you know, rumble, get some ideas flowing. Next, we're going to have a quick chat, I suppose, about uh, Japan. And the kind of Shinto um, lore, I suppose, and background, probably going to be a stranger one for God of War to pull into. So we kind of translate. So they're they're gods called like the Kami and um, 
translate like we translate that as gods, but it's a very different relationship that they have in Japan with um, with that from you know the ring we've done. So it's closer to these kind of spirits or essences of a thing. Um, and so they're all representations of different aspects of life and the earth, as with most gods. But it's it's a much closer relationship to to mortality. Um, so it's gonna be interesting if we see Kratos go there, um, and and we kind of see the game start to play into that a bit more. Would be fascinating, especially you see things like Sekiro, which really dig into Japanese history and culture and a lot more. To be able to see them play um, Japan play into that really historic um, lore and uh, mythology would be really fantastic. I'd really be interested in that. I can guarantee anyone who's listening has no idea about any Japanese uh, mythology out there. So again, mm. any way to get uh, a bit of education going, I think it's going to be worthwhile. There's yeah. obviously a lot of history there. Um I, I don't know any, obviously, but uh, I'm sure there is, and uh, if they can explore it, all yeah. for it. I think most people, as far as they know about gods within Japan, is probably through things like Death Note series and the kind of Shinigami and that god of death representation. Um, I'd be especially happy if we could see Kratos rip apart some gods of death, preferably the ones from the Netflix adaptation. Um, if he could just go and tear all of them apart, um, with all the characters, and that would just be perfect, because, yeah... Um, Worse, uh, worse than Gods of Egypt, 100%. Um, don't watch Netflix's adaptations of any uh, Japanese products. Instead, go watch Gods of Egypt. Um, just every time. Just go, I'm if gonna... you can bear with it. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And, oh, Netflix are remaking Akira. You know what? I'm going to go watch uh, Gods of Egypt instead. Um, <laughs> I think, think I'll uh, skip. And just look at that and think about the fact that... And just watch that and go, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be like. I think Gods of Egypt is going to be a good one. Wouldn't mind a Japanese-style one as well. I think that could be very entertaining. Mm-hmm. So why, so lastly, we'll go into one which I'm surprised they didn't bring up in Gods of War as instead of Shinto, which is quite surprising, is in Hinduism. Fucking mad mythology here. If you ever get the opportunity to go and listen in on some of the Hindu mythology and background to um, the kind of story of their gods and things like that, you're in for an absolute cracking time. There is so much hiss, and it's all absolutely brilliant. The tons of these destroyer-type figures and gods within their beliefs. Um, absolute combat, and the, the kind of war between them is so big, um, and their relationships. Some absolutely wild stuff. So you've got Ganesh formed of clumps of skin, and so um, and uh, these these beings who they do control so much in terms of the balance of people and this essence and soul if you look really deeply into hinduism um and that relationship to the spirit and chakras and things like that and there is but at the same time we have a game that explores this in the fucking best way possible if you haven't played asura's wrath or even if you just haven't seen it just go and find it on YouTube of someone playing through this because it is fucking insane. Um, so, Adam, you've you've seen clips of God of War, um, the originals and the current one, and you know yep, you love see it. him bring down these mountainous-sized titans. Um, just to give context for the scale of Asura's Raft, um, you, at one point, uh, one of the big bad bosses. Essentially, you play through a couple of boss fights, and they're all broken down into cinematics and. Um, uh, button, run, 
uh, button mashing segments and um, quick quick response. And there's one where one of these gods makes himself as large as the universe and just brings down his finger onto the earth. And you just punch it back. You just start <laughs> repeatedly punching him in the finger until he explodes. And that is like the second boss in the game. I love the logic behind it. Punch it your is, finger, the guy explodes. Bam! It's fantastic. And the way that they tell this is like this almost kind of uh, kind of futuristic mixed with you know the combination of technology and magic. So Asura having these multiple arms are kind of synthesized with robotics and ceramics. And that's all the characters designed around that visual. And oh my god. The end, the end fight to this game has you tearing holes in the galaxy and battling against the strings of like existence, the, like the threads of time themselves, as you are battling your way through all of these gods to get revenge and free your daughter. And I cannot, cannot, cannot recommend enough. Just go and watch. Just go and watch this game somewhere on YouTube or on Twitch. And just be in awe of it. It is phenomenal. I'm going to see if there is anyone on Twitch now. Why not? There's, I, 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 no doubt. There's going to be someone out there. If, if you, if you love God of War and you love that kind of fighting, then holy shit, go and see Asura's Wrath and that tearing apart of gods is played up so much. It's to like Dragon Ball Z style god on god action that just escalates time and time again. Um, and that's just I. I think if we we see God of War start to escalate through different pantheons and things, I I would love to see it kind of reach that escalation where he <laughs> they're just ripping planets apart and ripping through planes of existence. Um, but I don't think they I don't think they got it in them to really push it that far. I'm just looking at Twitch now. There are people playing. So yeah. If you are looking for a, a little run through YouTube or uh, or go and watch. Omega Pro's complete playthrough of Asura's Wrath. Absolutely. Six and a half hours long, so it might, uh, might take you a little while. It's worth every fucking second. I once spent a day hungover, I watched the entire thing. Saved me. Saved me. That and a bit of Powerade. Definitely worth <laughs> it. That and, a, that and a pizza. Oh, crack Ooh. on. Crack on. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, well... I think that brings us to the end of this week's show. A bit of a shorter one this week. We to really crack in on um, talking about something more specific. See what you guys think of this format. So do get in touch. Give us your feedback um, on the community page or through our Twitter or Instagram. We're available at Bosch Gamer. At, well, at Bosch underscore Gamer. We stream nearly every single evening now on Twitch. We've got someone going up, playing through something. Our community events are back. We've been running a few of those uh, games from Among Us with the community, and we're getting everyone's jumping on. We're uh, we <laughs> we are filling rooms out, so we're hoping to find a an, another game that we can play that can we can get more people in. Hopefully, move everyone over to that. Um, I'm gunning for full guys. Play. I want that's going to be the next community event. I love the game so much. Oh, Adam, full guys is dead. It's already it dead. This is in season two. It, it, it's dead, just like Spellbreak <laughs> is dead. Everything that oh, came, well. out, everything that I we spoke about on that one week's podcast is all dead. Four guys and Spellbreak all gone. Yeah, disappeared. Just leave them. Let them die. Let it go. Just let it go. But there, that's all we have time for this week on the Bosch Game Podcast. We'll be back next week, as always, um, talking about some 
well, let's, we'll see. We'll maybe talk about uh, another big game, uh, or we might go back to some more generic topics, uh, see how the flavour takes us. So thank you very much for listening, and do have a very wonderful week. Thank you for joining me, Adam. No problem at all. Thanks. <laughs>